0: That's the Encounter with God jingle right there, which means that we are about to go into our Bible study. 20 million people, 20 million movement Bible study, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And before we jump into it, of course, as usual, we have our pentathlon of quizzes, and we also have our text messages that we need to catch up on. We've got some doozies coming through. You've been letting me know some of the dangerous things that you did when you were a kid that contributed to your... Uh, safety as an adult by teaching you how to be how to deal with and manage risk probably like I wouldn't say this is
1: necessarily dangerous but probably one of the finest things I did as a kid is like you used to be a, I don't know if you can still do this but you can jump off the Auckland Tower and, oh, yes, and, with the
0: um, bungee cords.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I did that when I was like 11 <laughs> and I went to Auckland with my dad to, to watch a motorbike race that they had there and, and yeah, we jumped off the Auckland Tower, it was, it was lit. I was, like, <laughs> I was like so young and like they yeah. put me in the smallest jumpsuit that they had for people because they had like an age limit or something, like a low age limit and yeah, it was like... The, it was just like minimum age. I was like minimum age. Did you even have enough weight at that age to bounce? Well, w- what it is, it's not a bungee cord. It's like this steel cord that is um, attached to like this um, big roll that then tapers down. So it slows down. Oh, the bottom. Yes. So basically you jump off and you're falling at the speed of gravity. And then as you get to the bottom, like the, you start getting resistance from the, from the steel cord and then it slows you right up just before you hit the bottom.
0: Oh, so you don't actually do the whole up and down bouncy around thing? That nah. you, no. Oh, I'd feel nah. ripped off. No. Nah. But, but if, I, if, I, if I bungee jump, I want to do the um, you know, yoing. Because I've done it the other way where they, where they winch you down to the ground with the bungee uh-huh. and launch you up. Oh, okay. Which is way less scary because you don't have to stand up and look down. Yeah, you're just standing on the ground, and the next minute, like, whee,
1: you go up in the well. well this, this is like, like a this is like two a 200 meter tall building, and you look off the edge, and yeah, you can't yeah, yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. see the bottom. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I just sent out, I was like, "This is sick," and I just like jumped <laughs> off. And then, um, but then there was like some tourists in our group from like France. These dudes from France, and they were so scared, and they're like hanging off the edge of the thing, and the guys are yelling at them because it like. The, the the swing pulls you forward and out and you have to like let go of the straps and then you swing out and then down yes. and and they like the the winch is like pulling them forward like off the building but they're like just death gripping the straps and not letting go because they're so scared and the guys are yelling it from them from the building they're like let go let go like you have to drop and I don't know it was really funny
0: <laughs> we need to go to a Bible study Okay, so texting in, uh, Brett says, when I was a child in Fiji, it was flooding on the river and we built our own bamboo boats and floated down the flooding river. Probably not the best idea to do, but that's what he did as a kid and that's what his parents allowed him to do. And if you travel to the South Pacific, you find that, you know, most kids are born with a machete in their hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen 2 year old literally two-year-olds running around with big old machetes and just carving stuff up left, right and centre. Dude. I certainly learned to uh, learn Man, risk this is management.
1: Just, this is just unlocking memories in my brain of just growing up and it's not going to like stop. Six. And if it's unlocking
0: memories for you, text us through. We'd love to hear from Dude, you. Totally. Ivan says this could be. I know an Ivan. Oh, anyway, okay. when I was nine, I shot an air rifle at a plastic oil container a few meters away. I felt the pellet ricochet back past my face. Never did that again. Great topic, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that wasn't my air rifle. That is. <laughs> that could be mine. That, that could that have been mine. So wild. <laughs> uh, let me see what else have we got here. Uh, so, what are some of the crazy things that you did as a kid that helped you to learn to manage risk as an adult, as an adult? Dude. We found that that's a really important thing for uh, kids to be able to do. Uh, Children swings in the good old days. Those were the days. True freedom and fun times. Two. Two true, true children of nature, mm. um, and of co- but then then of course there's the one that looks on the negative side of it and says, ah, it's all about money. Do they really care for children? Uh, sounds good, but I have to say I'm very skeptical on this one. On, skeptical on the real reason on this one. Mm. So basically, what the story was about for those of you who missed it was bringing risk back into playgrounds because an insurance company is sponsoring it because we our, our cotton wool kids that we're raising these days. Don't know how to manage risk as adults. Mm. I'm going to rebut this person's text message and I'm
1: going to say, yes, it's all about money, but it's all about money because I, I believe that insurance companies provide a necessary service that is good. So
0: Okay, so somebody else, someone's come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. to bring back all of the good things in the playground. A solar flare of the correct magnitude hitting the world would resolve all the problems. Resolve all the problems. All computers, <laughs> mobiles, etc. cetera. Uh, we would all be back to nature. Imagine we would all actually talk to each other face-to-face. What a novel idea.
1: I thought he meant by a solar flare <laughs> hitting Earth. I thought he meant like just dying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wipe out all
1: life. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that would solve a lot of problems. But uh, no. Okay.
0: Perfect. Signs of the Times, what a great magazine. I think the whole world is experiencing burnout and need all the help we can get. My help comes from the Lord and he never lets me down. Domestic violence, the unspoken sin behind closed doors. This is really sad. Let us all do whatever we can. Mm. Talking to the victims is a start and sending them to professionals. Sometimes you may have to offer a safe space and call the police for intervention. Am I my brother's keeper? Who is my neighbor? According to God, we are. Yes, we are. Mm. um and pray for them because the intercessory prayer has probably saved millions of people um we wish all the best to all the students during the during their HSC exams can't be easy for them doing this having gone through the lockdowns and everything else praying for all of you that's a really important thing that we need to be praying for over the next um over the next few weeks particularly here in New South Wales. Mm. Uh, because um, this is a New South Wales thing, HSC, but in other states, of course, students will be coming to the end of Year 10, the end of Year 12, et cetera, and um, dealing with similar kinds of systems. A friend of mine were, on Sunday was doing her doctor exams for her qualifications. It costs $5,000. This was done on her computer, with but the Wi-Fi went down just before it started, she got it working again, lost time, and she was so stressed that she didn't do too well after studying so hard. How frustrating! Mm. That is a nightmare situation. Yeah, you're not wrong. My, oh. this is one of the this is one of the the, the the challenges. You know, the great thing about being able to do things online and. Mm. You know, all that kind of great, fantastic systems, but oh, wow, they've got their issues as well.
1: As a person working at a uni at the moment, like I just hear horror story after horror story. Like my my friend last week, like they line up for the exam and they're sitting, you know, in the waiting room ready to go and the exam just doesn't open and it's like an hour-long exam and, you know, they're texting the person and it's like like the, 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 the professor and it's like, 15 minutes in, they're like, what is going on? Why isn't the exam opening? You know, are they going to postpone the exam? Da, da, da. But it turns out they're in the wrong exam lobby. <gasps> like, they're in the wrong room. Uh, oh, and it's no. just like, because, you know, you, you jump into a, like a, a, a web page that's like an exam lobby and you wait for the exam to be open and they're in the wrong thing. And so they lost like a ton of time. But luckily they, they got through it and they were pretty confident about how they did because they studied. So that's, that's good. But just like, ah. just stuff like that happens... All the time.
0: Anyways. Okay, so we should get into our Bible study. And because we're studying the book of Deuteronomy, let's go to the Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Chapter 4 and verse 44.
1: Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 44. This is quite a long chapter. We've got a
0: whole bunch of verses from
1: Deuteronomy. All right, here we go. It says, this is the body of instruction that Moses presented to the Israelites. That's all that Deuteronomy 44 says. Yeah, 4 and verse Oh, yes, 41. this is the law, which, which, what did you all say? This is the body of instruction that Moses presented to the Israelites. I was going to say
0: that is so different from what mine says. Mine says this is the law. That's the same. It's not the well, same. The body of instruction. Body of instructions. Instructions are things like do it this way. There's no must, there's no have to, there's no command in instructions. What do you mean? There is, this is, this is, this, instructions, instructions can be as simple as this is the best way to do something. I think this is your inter- Instructions can be recommendations.
1: I would love to assess the, the robustness of this argument that you're so, making. So, so I can give you, needless. I can give you
0: instructions on how to rebuild your motorbike
1: engine. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: But there is potentially 10 different ways of doing it. No, there's one way. No, there is potentially. And that's. That- no, no, there is potentially <laughs> 10 different ways of doing it. I will guarantee that. And my instructions might be the best way or the best instructions. Okay, okay, let me say this. Let me say this. But um, if I make something a law,
1: then it's a have to. Who are we talking about here? Wh- whose instructions is this? This is the this is the instructions. This that is the God body gave. of instruction exactly that god okay, gave okay okay so you're trying to make the case that god gives instructions yet there's like a no, heap I'm, I'm, of other I'm ways saying, that I'm could be that just as valid no, to do things no 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 that's that's kind of heresy that's kind of like twisting uh,
0: my words <laughs> <laughs> twisting my words like i'm saying the opposite of that i'm saying there's no such thing i'm saying you got a dodgy translation is saying instructions instru- instruct the body of instructions how is that invalid? it is commandments that's the same thing it's not the same thing Instructions. Instructions can be issue. equivocal. Commandments are unequivocal.
1: But they come from God. Yes. So how are they unequivocal? Oh, I mean, well. how are they equivocal?
0: Oh, okay. So the tech, the All right. Let's 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 put it to the audience and let's find out whether whose side they're on. Because Instru- the audience so far is on my side.
1: <laughs> no, they're not. So text in. Let us
0: know what what side should you be on. You can tell us what you did as kids as well at the same time, but. <laughs> Um, Tell us which side you're on. So far, one vote for me. Anyway, let's go to Deuteronomy 17, verse 19. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter... 17, verse 19.
1: 17 and verse 19, where the Bible says, He must always keep a copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of instructions and decrees.
0: I'm, I'm just going to ban you from reading your Bible.
1: Wow, okay. You sound very much like how they used to sound in Bangladesh, okay? You know, <laughs> but things change there, you know. They
0: separated church and state. So Let me read this It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. Instructions and decrees, it's like the same. Law and statutes. Okay. Okay. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 58. Deuteronomy 28, oh man, I really hope it
1: talks about instructions here. 28 and verse 58, where the Bible says, as I find it on the page, if you refuse to obey all the words of instruction that are written in this book, (laughs) and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God. And then it goes on in fifty nine. Then you'll, uh, the Lord will overwhelm you with plagues and your children with indescribable plagues. These plagues
0: will be intense and without relief. And if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, <laughs> that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're reading, okay. So if you're reading, if you're preaching this in church, mm-hmm. which one? Which translation is going to carry the most, the, the, the greatest sense of weight with the audience? Which one do you think? I mean, when it says here, if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear his, this his, this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, mm. it's, it's got some weight behind it. All right, Deuteronomy thirty and verse ten.
1: Uh, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 10 where the Bible says as I find it here on the page the Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his
0: voice and keep his commands yes thank you we got there in the end keep his commands and his decrees
1: it said decrees before written in the
0: book of instruction and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul I have no problem with the word decrees Mm-hmm. A decree is a mandate. That's but you, you, you don't do. like instructions because you're just a uh, it's rebel. Just, it's just, just. It's just
1: lame. I, I think it accurately represents what's it's going weak. on. It's weak.
0: It lacks strength. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: Deuteronomy 31 and verse 12. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 12, the Bible says. Call them all together, men, women, and foreigners living in your towns, so they may hear the book of instructions and learn to fear the Lord and carefully obey all the terms of these instructions. Oh, he uses yeah, twice. Yeah,
0: instructions twice. Just when, <laughs> just when it was getting good. Just when there was <laughs> one passage in the NLT that actually had the word commandments in it, it loses it again. Anyway, Deuteronomy 32, verse 46. We've got a bunch of verses to go through here this morning. Deuteronomy thirty-two forty-six. 46. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 46. The Bible says,
1: he added, Take to heart all the words of warning that I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children, and they will obey every word of these
0: instructions. Ah, uh, but at least it got the word command <laughs> slotted in there. <laughs> And finally Deuteronomy 32 verse 2. Jeremy's poetry this time.
1: 32 and verse 2 where the Bible says, "Let my teaching fall on you like rain, let my speech settle like dew, let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle from? showers on young plants." 32 and verse 2. <sighs>
0: 33 and verse 2. My okay, bad.
1: Okay. 33 and verse 2. Come on, La. Here we go. It says here, The Lord came from Mount Sinai, and he dawned upon us from Mount Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran and came from Mer- Meribah Kadesh with flaming fire at his right hand.
0: What? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. That's what your Bible says? Yeah. It is seriously what it says. 33 and verse 2, right? That's seriously what it says. Yeah. You're kidding me. What does yours say? Okay, I've got it here in the new KJV. I'm going to read it from the old KJV. Let's go over here. 33 and verse 2. The Bible says, And he said, The Lord came from Mount Sinai and rose up from Mount Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of his saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Oh, okay. Mine doesn't say that. It doesn't. It actually cuts out, completely cuts out the law. <laughs> well, well,
1: that's, that's there. That's a, that's a bit rough. It could have said instructions at least. It could have at least said instructions. It could have at least said instructions. He's flaming instructions.
0: <laughs> He's flaming recommendations. No, the Bible says that uh, from his hand, from his right hand, came forth a fiery law for me. Oh, wow. Alright, so somebody texts so the NLP stands for Neurolinguistic Programming. There you go. And now uh, this
1: is the NLT. Yes. Uh, That's all right. N- NLP <laughs> it's the NLP translation. This is the NLT, the new the new living. This is people with a new life. They read this. I don't
0: read the NLT. <laughs> like, I'm just joking. <laughs> Alright, we're giving you all a hard time this morning. I think you get the point though, mm. um, and that is that there is a theme that is running through here and what we uh oh we, we I, I got another one another one another verse no another one agreeing with me another listener agreeing with oh. me that's, that's two two listeners okay. for me now well, i didn't
1: know people were so hurt over very synonymous terms like <laughs> instructions and law and commands oh what's up
0: just been let down why a listener doesn't agree with me <laughs> yeah, two right. for me one for you but someone y- says why i'd have to say i'd have to say uh, the part that Lawson read held more. weight for me. Very clear. That's
1: right. That's. If I that give instructions,
0: right. f- if I give instructions to you from Brisbane to Sydney, you don't have to obey them, as they're only a guide. You can make your own mind up which way you go. But if I command you to go a certain way, there is only one way. Big difference between an instruction and a command. That's from Owen. Okay.
1: Yeah, so but there's three, th-
0: three, three to one. But three who are we one. talking about here? Who we're, talking, we're, okay, we're talking. Okay, so we're God. talking about God. All right. So if God gives you instructions to drive from Brisbane to Sydney, mm-hmm. then that's a little bit different from me giving you instructions.
1: Yeah, because it's it's on the basis that God is absolutely. So so, so if I wanted if if
0: I was going from Brisbane to Sydney, mm-hmm. um, and and we'll continue on with, uh, um, I think Owen's got a good illustration here. But if I was going from Brisbane to Sydney and I asked for you instructions how to get there, and you said, "Yep, you know, just head straight up the Pacific Highway." Um and do not turn to your right hand or to your left and you will arrive in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. Um and I was like, okay, great, good. I've got instructions how to get to Brisbane and then I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'd like to do the scenic route and go up the New England. And so I decided to go up the New England. It's no big deal. Mm. But if God came to me and said, I want you to go up the Pacific. And I said, yeah, that's fine, but I'm going to go up the New England. Then I might miss out on. Witnessing to somebody, mm. I might end up in a massive ten car pileup on the New England somewhere mm. that God wanted me to avoid. Mm. And so, I take your point on instructions being, um, yeah, they're similar, but you just don't. The, like the, it, the Bible right? is the, okay. The <laughs> key here, the key thought is mm. that the Bible is actually talking about the law of God. Mm. And the law of God doesn't allow for that kind of equivocation. Mm. God allows us allows us to choose any which way we want to go to Brisbane. Mm. You can go by the Pacific, the New England, the Newell, whatever way you want to go. You can go via the Nullarbor Plain if you want and drive all the way around Australia and come in from you know the Bruce Highway. Mm. You know you can do that, um, but God will always be directing us back to the way that He told us to go in the first place. You're listening to The Breakfast show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Yeah, Lawson and I had a bit of an interesting discussion and producer shell over the difference between law and instructions, and there was an interesting, there was actually a really good point that was raised, and that is that for the Christian, God's instructions should be the same as law.
1: That, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because
0: if you're a Christian and you love God, and God gives instructions, why would we deviate? Mm-hmm.
1: And you can say this, like, because we understand that God has a general will for people's lives, and then he has a specific will for an individual. Yes. Like, right? And his general will, for example, is you could place that, like, the Ten Commandments in there, right? Like, he doesn't want people to murder each other. Yes. He doesn't want people to lie. But then there's, like, specific... God's you know specific will for a person where he's like oh I want them to drive up the Pacific Highway instead of the you know instead of the other yeah, one yeah
0: like Philip and the Ethiopian you know when the when when God says go to this particular That's road right. in the desert
1: but yeah that what God is saying to Philip at that time is a command mm-hmm. like or an instruction or a, you know a law or you know it's it's because yeah. because it's coming from someone who has
0: the right to tell you what to do in every situation. Absolutely, so I think the the, the, the the moral of the story at the end of the day is that for a Christian, for someone that loves God's that loves God, instructions is all you need mm. and when you have God's instructions, you just do it mm-hmm. you don't question mm-hmm. you just do it because for you it is law, yeah that's right. I still like the word law better. All right, let's get back to uh, our Bible study. And we have just read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different verses from the book of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those verses is focused on the law of God. Yes. And the commandments of God mm-hmm. and the statutes of God mm-hmm. and the decrees of God mm-hmm. and, the, and the instructions of God. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's focused on that. Now, so, you know, as, as our Bible study points out, even a cursory reading of the book of Deuteronomy is going to bring up this repetitive theme mm. of how crucial obedience to the law of God was Yes, for the people of Israel. Mm. Has that changed? No. Why is it that we have so much of an anti-law movement in Christianity today? Uh, Why is it that we have such a knee-jerk reaction against anything to do with God's law? Yeah, I want to... I want to tell. This is also okay.
1: There's an answer to this question. I'm about. I'm I'm about to say what it is. But before I I say it, I want to point out that this was the same reason why God kept telling them to keep the law and and why God kept them back from going into the promised land and like all all of these, you know, all these different problems. Like, okay, so the answer is sin exists, and people want to do it like that. You know, yes, there are more. Niche ways and less blunt ways to be able to say that, and to be able to explain that situation. You know why people come up with theology where they disregard the law, and why they believe and practice Christianity in a way that, for some reason, they feel that as though the the law of God is such a burden to them. You know, but for the most part, the reason people come to that conclusion is
0: to have liberty in their life to go and sin. That pretty much sums it up. And uh, when you look at ancient Israel and you compare it with modern Christianity, there's not a whole lot of difference. Mm. There's, we, do, we do exactly the same thing, we just have a different way of going around it. Mm. Ancient Israel was continually falling into rebellion, continually rebelling against God, rebelling against God's law. They were just a little bit more open about, it. well, maybe we're just as open because rather than us, you know, just like, yeah, you know what, we're going to uh, disobey God today and go and worship a golden calf and break God's law, we're like, no, the law's been nailed to the cross, been done away with, we Mm don't need the law of God. Not realising that if you do away with the law of God, you do away with Jesus Christ. Totally. You know, you think about it, Jesus came to this world to save us from our what? Our sin. Our sin. What is sin? The transgression of the law. The transgression of the law. Mm. So if we had not broken the law of God, then Jesus need not have died. Yep if God's law had been nailed to the cross, and this is the thing that's interesting you know because we read this yesterday from Romans chapter four verse fifteen where the Bible says, "Where there is no law, there is no sin mm. and so Jesus had two very easy ways of well sorry two ways one of them easy one of them hard of saving our world mm. one of them was the first the first way that God could have done it was to abolish the law of God take it, nail it up, get rid of it. It's gone. It's done. If God had abolished the law, then sin would have ceased to exist. And if sin ceased to exist, Jesus did not need to die. Mm. The reason that Jesus died was because it was impossible to do away with the law of God Mm. because the law of God is a law of love. It's all about the first four commandments are all about loving God. The, The last six commandments are all about loving each other. If God was to do away with the law of God, he would have to do away with his own character. Mm. He would have to get rid of love out of the universe. Jesus' death on Calvary is the most powerful argument that you can find anywhere that the law is eternal and unchanging and can never be changed. Yeah,
1: And that's, that's like such a good point. And it's like, well, then how do people come to that conclusion that Jesus needed to die then? Um, because it's it's so clear. But then they do. And this is often people's explanation of why Jesus needed to die, but why we don't need to keep the law today, is what they do is they... This is this is crazy. This is, like, so insane, is that they pit Jesus against God, basically. Yes. This is what they do. So, so
0: Jesus' real mission... Like, God is angry with us and Jesus is... Is like, don't be so angry, don't be so that's angry, right. just save these people, I died for them, I'm going to force that's you right. to let them into heaven. And that's where
1: this great separation happens in people's minds for some reason between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that they're like, okay, God is angry, God is terrible, God is awful, God wants to punish and destroy us, but Jesus came and he saved us. And they pit Jesus against God, not realizing that Jesus was well, Jesus actually... the Father, yeah. Yeah, Jesus against the Father. Like, yep. they they put Jesus against the Father, not realizing that Jesus and God are on the same team. Like, they're they're all on the same team against what? Against sin. sin. Against and that's sin. exactly why the law exists. Like, and why they, you know, because it didn't, was, there was no need to record the law down like this before sin existed because it was a natural inbuilt nature. But the reason why in Deuteronomy they keep going on and on and on against about this law and about how important it is and why they need it to be able to advance as a nation is because their biggest enemy is not a God who hates them. It's sin. Like, that is the one thing. that That is what's ruining their lives. Like, that is that is what's making them die. That is what is, like, you, what has caused all these problems. It's sin. That's right. It's sin. And, and, you know, you then need to balance that out. It's like, okay, so are people just so terrible? It's like, okay, we are perpetrators of sin, but we're also victims in this cosmic conflict of sin with Satan and God and all these different things. But ultimately, like when it comes to us and our personal decisions and how we relate to the law, it's realizing that, oh no, God isn't against me by giving a law. And Jesus wasn't against God by doing away with the law and dying. No, like God gives me the law because he loves me. And Jesus died for me
0: because he loves me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Michael's is in here. He says, I think law is a better word for someone who is new to Christianity so they understand the importance of it mm. and teach them to follow everything God says. Mm. But instructions can be used once you're a Christian because you already know and already will follow everything He says. Interesting thought, right there.
1: No, that's actually a really good point. Like, yeah. you know, there are definitely people coming from other. Ling- uh, um, other religions and I've had this experience doing Bible studies with like, you know, Chinese um international students at the uni who come from like a Buddhist background or whatever. They're like, Oh yeah, the Bible's so good because it gives such good in like instructions and I can, you know, live a better life because of it. And I'm like, Amen. But then at the same time, is the Bible just like a self help book full of yeah. and it's like, no, no, these are like decrees to actually base your
0: life on because you believe in a God who loves you. So Stuart sent through a controversial one. He says, nothing wrong with modern translations, just don't call it a Bible or try and do serious <laughs> Bible studies. <laughs> I would say that in relationship to paraphrases. Yes. I don't call paraphrases Bibles. Yeah, um, They're more of a devotional book. Mm. Um, but but, but, but modern they're... translation, if it's, you've either got a translation or a paraphrase, yeah. and a translation is a Bible. And there are modern translations that are great.
1: For studying from oh, like you know your NASB, your ESV, where they take the time they 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 actually want to do a word for word translation rather yes. than a thought for thought.
0: Braden says, I think the KJV has more weighted language, but when you are seeking the truth, God will work with whatever translation. And this is this is absolutely true as well because you know I gave my heart to God through reading an NIV, which is yeah not my, by far from my favorite, but. um the KJV, the reason it has more weighted translation is that it is a Bible that was actually translated, and a few people realize this, to be heard rather than to be read. Mm. It was translated in a way that would sound good when it was spoken because 99.9% of people didn't own a Bible and they would only ever hear the Bible. They would never actually read the Bible. Mm. And so that's why it has that weighted language to it. So some great text messages coming through there. You're listening to The Breakfast
1: Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Question of the day. All right, our question of the day today is from Rhonda. And Rhonda asks, does the Bible put
0: any significance on certain numbers? Yes, it does. And you're going to find a few... a number of numbers. A number of numbers, <laughs> classic. A number of numbers that are very significant in the Bible, and you'll find them being repeated over and over again and used in symbolic formats. And uh, probably the first one that we would look at is in context of what we've just been talking about, the law of God. And we actually had someone uh, text through to say that uh, the law has a much greater meaning. Uh, well, no, that wasn't what we were looking for. If we read that one already? I can't remember. I've got so many text messages here, I'm, I'm starting to lose track. The law has, has much greater meaning. While I understand instruction doesn't compare to the law, I'm talking about biblical theology and Hebrew meaning of the law. Um, but ov- obviously you have ten commandments.
1: Mm. But
0: not only, not only do you have ten commandments, but you have ten virgins, you have ten horns, you have ten kings, you have ten toes, uh, etc. through the Bible. And so what you're going to find with the number ten is the number ten symbolizes things that are universal, that are worldwide, that are global. So, 10 virgins is God's church in the whole world, uh, whereas the 10 kings is, you know, the political leaders of the world at the end of time, and the 10 commandments are the law of God for the whole world. So you're dealing with the whole world when you're dealing with the number 10. Seven, of course, is the one that pops up probably more than anything else. Um, seven days in a week. Uh, the whole Hebrew, um, system works of a system of, you know, sevens and seven times seven, you know, 49, et cetera. 490 years. We could go on and talk about lots of sevens. This is the number of, um, of perfection and completeness. You'll find that the first prophecies of the book of Revelation, your first one is seven churches, then you've got seven seals, then you've got seven uh, trumpets, then you've got seven thunders, and then you've got seven last plagues. And all of these are dealing with, um, you know, the complete story from the time of John through to the end of time. And so, seven has that uh, concept of completeness, obviously, seven days makes a complete week you've got the seven spirits of God, which is the completeness of the holy spirit so your 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 seven branch candlestick in the holy place of the sanctuary is a symbol of the holy Spirit, and what you'll notice is that if you go to uh was it Isaiah chapter eight and verse eleven verse 2, sorry, 11 verse 2, you find seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit. One candlestick, seven branches. One Holy Spirit, seven different aspects. And so that is where you'll find seven. Of course, another one that you're going to find cropping up all over the place is the number three. And this is turns up slightly less than the number seven at 476 times in the Bible, um, often used within the context of new life and harmony, uh, with number four coming through in relationship to creation. But then you've got this odd one that pops up, not very often, but always in very significant places, and that is 3.5 which is which gives you neither the harmony of three or the creation of four, and where you've got 3.5, you've got persecution and destruction coming through. And so that's a couple of examples. Now, what it is important to do in the Bible is to not take these too far and not stretch them too far, because I see people who get involved in numerology in the Bible and they start counting the you know the number of words in verses or the number of verses that there are in a chapter and all of these kind of things that's not the way the bible is written um there are a few specific numbers that are rich in symbolism and meaning we should not try and read into other numbers meaning that does not exist because if we do, it sort of becomes an endless rabbit warren, a rabbit hole that you can go down and you'll never come back up out again and it will just create too much confusion. So yes, let's look at the numbers that God emphasizes. The ones that he places particular reference on. You know, seven, twelve, ten are probably, you know, your big ones that you need to look at and you need to study in the context of what they symbolize and what they actually symbolize in the Bible. Um, So, yeah, that's um, some some, some thoughts there in relationship to numbers. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.